Welcome to Spritz and Scrums, a podcast by three Benetton fans with a love for Aperol and all things Rugby Italiano. This week, we finally fucking won something. And we have our first podcast guest, Mike from the Italian Rugby Forum, joining us to celebrate. Cheers! Yeah. Salute! Congratulations! Quincina tutti! Guys, we did it! It's episode five, and by episode five, we got a first win. But we didn't do anything. <laughs> well, um, I think, you know, we can claim credit for just being there as moral support as the games went on. But, um, guys, it's very exciting. Um, not only is it, is it exciting that we won a game, um, and we will go into detail about how we won that game, but we've actually got a guest with us today. Hi, everyone. Mike is a neutral slash Benetton fan who's definitely not wearing a Benetton shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Mike's here to add some credibility to the utter bollocks that we chat on this podcast. So thank you for being here with us. Um, I assume you watched the game like we all did? Uh, no, I'm joking. Yeah, of course I have <laughs> Just watch yeah. the highlights quickly yeah, on your phone. Just, just, just before I jumped on here, I just thought I'd just... Yeah. Couple of minutes, got you. <laughs> Well, for context, Mike is wearing an away kit, and I am a humongous fan of the Benetton away kit. Yeah, yeah. So I, I was fortunate enough to get this uh, for my birthday. Um, so yeah, lo- love the new kit. The new, I mean, it's very sort of Leinster 2018, but it's it's a very very nice kit, isn't it? Do you know what the star above the lion is? is that just if they finish as the top club in Italy, they get that star. Well, I, I, I actually have no idea, but, you know, it could signify Rainbow Cup. You know? I thought it was Rainbow Cup win, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I always assumed it was whoever was the top team in Italy got the star. If anyone listening to this knows why they have a star, please do let us know. Go on, it's going to be for the Rainbow Cup. I would put a star on my jersey if I won the, any kind of tournament competition. The Rainbow Cup was won. I mean, the worst name in the world, but we won it. Silverware, baby. You know, Benetton have won more trophies in the last decade than Munster and Ulster combined. (laughs) You're pissing off so many Irish. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a fact. (laughs) Hey, listen, I agree. You can't argue against fact, but it's not going to stop them getting pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) So if you hear sort of clinking of glasses that's um us drinking spritz for the first time um because there was a big game and we're one step closer to dublin guys and spritz is for winners coach have you got your spritz in your uh in your thermos there uh, yep yeah, it's in my thermos <laughs> i definitely didn't forget um this is <laughs> it's, it's a liter a liter of, of spritz ready for you to take into work tomorrow morning They'll never know. <laughs> so, guys, I think we should just crack on. Let's start talking about the game. Um, where do we start? Well, the first 12 minutes had me worried. Well, it wasn't just the first 12 minutes. The first 12 minutes, they scored in their first try on, in the 12th minute. Um, and then they scored another try not that long after. Oh, so... yeah. No, you're right. So it was they scored a try after 12 minutes, which was just a, they had Rhino Smith and Padovani were just overpowered in the corner 
And then 17 minutes in, there was a try, which was a little bit more frustrating to concede because Rutzer was the guard in Iraq who sort of was sold something way too easily and moved and then created a massive hole. We should say Rutzer was uh, playing his 100th game for Benetton and Lamaro had his 50th cap. So there were lots of caps um, on Saturday. Uh, and a lot of, I think they had at the end as well, a bunch of kind of, old ex-players who were there who'd had 100 caps came out onto the pitch at the end or something. I think they might have been the 100 cappers who weren't there during the Benetton-Stade Francais game because they were with the Italy camp. Oh. They weren't there. That was a fantastic day. We went to that one, Mike. We were there. Yeah. Well, I just got very drunk with Dean Budd. <laughs> yeah, I have to say it was um, it was a heavy, heavy afternoon. Dean Bod seems like someone who could put put some away. And he was there for <laughs> not much else, to be honest. He collected his cap and he was there for a good time. <laughs> there was no game for him to he play. Was, he, he just flew back from New Zealand just for the fun of it. I've actually got on our balcony a garden gnome painted in a Benetton shirt, which I'll put on the social so people can see. And it's I, I call it Dean Bud. I bet he it looks just like him. <laughs> And I, I showed him a picture yeah, of it and I told him it was that. named after him and he loved it. Oh. He didn't think it was weird at all. <laughs> <laughs> and actually talking of things we can share on the socials, there's also a few photos that Coach got of um, Eddie, ste not stealing, Eddie wearing um, old ex-Benetton players, 100 cap caps and having photos with them. Just complete, you know, strangers, but they took a shine I'll to Eddie. i them on the social as well. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't touch his hat. I didn't assume or presume that they were going to put that hat on me. But when someone puts a... And this man had, I think, over 200 caps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Lovely man. And just for some context, Eddie at university was a well-known stash monkey. If anyone had any stash, Eddie would either pilfer it or want it. And the way it uh, was, was notorious for, for stash. And in the moment... The moment he saw that cap on that man's head, I saw him lighter, and uh, I knew I knew where this was heading, and I had my camera ready. I knew it was going to happen. About eight drinks before it happened. Here's a question for Mike: Testers, Testers, Benetton knowledge, you know, baptism of fire. Dude. So we were talking to two ex-Benetton players who are both still playing. And okay. each one of them has 101 caps. But they're, they're in our, our era of following Benetton. Which, for context, you might know not know our, our era is probably, what, sort of five, six, seven years now? Yeah, I'm a spring puppy. I'm much younger than I look. I'm trying to think, actually, who could that, who that could Okay, be? I'll give you a clue. Um, one of them had a massive boot on him. Could just kick the ball for miles. No one ever really knew how to pronounce his name. I'm drawing a blank. I've got to be honest. I, I don't know. I don't know. I give up. Well, I'm going to say his name wrong now. Esposito or Esposito. Oh, from uh, Benevento, yeah. Yeah. And the other one was a scrum half. Does that help you? Recent-ish scrum half, yeah. Plays in France. Uh, oh, um, Gory. Yeah. Yeah. Gory. yeah. All right. it's, it's interesting, right? Because uh, going off at a tangent a little bit, but this is sort of relevant to what you've just said. So Benevento... Um, which is a small club in Campania, just southeast uh, of of Na Napoli. Um, they had like a period uh, 10, 15 years ago where they were producing some decent players. 
And obviously those players then uh, would be picked up by uh, Fiammidoro in, in, in Rome, right? Which is the, the state-owned, but uh, run by the police. So state-funded, excuse me, but run by the police team. But Benevento had some um, players that, that came from there. And um, Esposito was one uh, and uh, a certain Carlo Canna was another. No so, so, yeah. So, um, <laughs> so like Benevento, like, had these quality players by by name only because when when we got to test level these these players were nowhere to be seen. Um, but yeah, of course, like, you, you you say that now. Obviously, thinking back, like that was one of every commentator's favorite facts about Carlo Canna was that he was a policeman. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> they did love to say that. Every year they just roll that fact back out. It's, it's, they they just like start reusing. I've, I've got you know I, I listened to your first uh, your first pod right, and you guys hit the nail on the head. There's just they just randomly like throw a dart at like a, a player. Um, right. What wall. what one fact can we? Yeah. With? and yeah. that'll do. That's it. Um, that's it. Yeah. And actually, I mean, we joke about the Freemasons, but I think that's generally like where this kind of English speaking Italian community of rugby followers has sort of bubbled over from is just kind of frustration with listening to the same kind of mundane facts. I mean, if you if you remember a couple of years ago, it was all Minozzi. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All they wanted to talk about was Minotti. I do, I do have to call out Nick Heath. Then um, Nick Heath. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched any of the under twenties. Uh, yeah, this we season, did. Yeah. yeah, Nick Heath before the um, Six Nations had start started. I, I don't know if he took any senior men's. He may have, but basically, he just he, he mentioned that he was having little luck with um, some some of his sort of media researchers. So he reached out and he was like, right. Can you give us a little bit of a rundown on the under twenties? And he did his research, and um, basically we provided him with a with a document and used it. And some of it was a little bit recycled, but stuff like Gallerini weighing you know one hundred thirty eight kilos and stuff that information he didn't have. So he that's great. Yeah, he took the initiative. I I can't um, advocate like more people doing that. That's, that's right. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's fantastic. That and what, I... you guys like got together and kind of put to all this info? No, no, no. He reached out on, on Twitter. Um, and then oh. I just I just sent him the document with and, and sort of, some sort of opinion. So like I said, a couple of players to point out, Odiase being one, Gallerini being another, uh, obviously May and uh, Passarella, like those, those sort of players that we've seen what they can do. Um, yeah. Yeah, but... Just That's... taking the initiative. Well done him. Yeah, yeah. right? If more Nick people Heath. did that. Good work, my man. Follow him on Twitter. He is, he is good. The other um, commentator, not for his necessarily his Italian knowledge, but a commentator that's been doing the under-20s, loads of the Italian games, Dewey Morris. I really <laughs> like his commentary. Yeah, yeah. Especially last year when they were hypo- hypothesising on whether they could uh, steal Dewey Passarella. <laughs> they were like, he must be Yeah, must have, yeah. Must, must be well. Yeah, must, <laughs> must have some work. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, does he? I mean, where, where, where is that? What, so it's, what... it's an odd name for an Italian, isn't yeah. it? Like, I, haven't, I haven't heard uh, Dewey. I've never that. met a Dewey, an Italian Dewey, so well, there must be of, something. There was one a few years ago, obviously, when Stephen Varney was playing. And Italy under twenties versus Wales, and Italy won. And Stephen Varney got man of the match. And the commentator was like, "Well, at least the Welshman's won something." <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor, poor soul. Like you could see, he was um, really taken back. He was like, "Yeah, so you know, Italy came calling, and it's a decision that I've made." He, he almost had to justify himself whilst winning this award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. 
Yeah, but I like how he's sort of, you know, trying to like push his Italianness more and more as well. Just like Stephen Lorenzo Varney has become his <laughs> his Instagram handle. You're like, yeah. I love that. I love that. Though. I love it. There was a little documentary with his parents on it. I think it's great. Yeah, it's a cool story, isn't it? Well, I think it is as well because I mean, I don't know about you, Mike. Mike, you're Italian, half Italian, half. Uh, both both my parents um, Italian emigrated here uh, thirty six years ago. I was born here. Um, Amazing, so, yeah. right? Yeah. So same. So I'm full Italian, but neither of us sort of sound it. And it's that thing yeah. of like having to justify or like prove your Italianness that really bothers me. It's like, oh, but hang on, but you sound English, so can you really be <laughs> actually Italian? Yes, I am. How? Like, so I can understand Stephen Lorenzo Varney going. Do you know what? I'm just gonna fucking put my name out there so that people stop hammering me about not being Italian. Yeah, so also, I don't know if you you guys ever watched um, when when Big Jim went to um, Benetton to, to meet up with Tommy Tommaso Allen, right? Yeah. He kept, <laughs> he kept calling him Tommy Allen. He's like, Tom, like stop the interview. He's like, yeah. Tommaso, Tommaso Allen. <laughs> <laughs> right. But that's an interesting one with Tommaso Allen because when he plays for Harlequins now, he's Tommy. Yeah. And obviously back in his Scottish days, he was, well, he probably didn't choose. They just decided that Tommaso yeah. was too long and they were going to call him Tommy, which is normal. That's how nicknames work. You don't come up with them yourself. I, I wonder if um, it, during the England camp, they were calling a dog group Paulo. Yeah. Just, just, right? just, just, yeah. So, just, yeah. just to try and differentiate, right? Yeah. Let, let's, let's make some, <laughs> some clear lines in the sand here. Come on. <laughs> you're, you're English when you're in England. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is an interesting thing about those those names and those, those players. I'm trying to think, well, obviously, Pelledri's got a very Italian surname. Yeah, he, he could have played for Wales as well, you know that. Could he? Yeah, yeah, he, he, I think I think he's caught Welsh as well. He's a wonderful player. Zeebler are really lucky next season. I don't I know, know if you guys spoke right? about it last uh, we did time. briefly, right? But when so we found out, well, actually, Eddie found out about his move while we were at the stadium for the Italy Wales game, and he was like, "I need to find a Zebra fan. I must go find a Zebra fan and tell them this important news." And he managed to find one. I did, and it was actually quite tragic because found this guy who was—he's actually his name was Mike as well—and um, <laughs> he's he he used to be a rugby coach in Germany, I think it was, and now he's living in Italy with his partner and he's equidistant between Treviso and Palma. So he chose one randomly and he ended up choosing Zebre, which is choosing a life of pain, but he likes <laughs> the kids. And, yeah. and now he's a, he's a Zebre fan. Um, and I didn't get his details. Could it have been great to have him on the pod to have like a, an actual Zebre fan. Zebre <laughs> fans, I think I said this before on the pod, but I'll repeat my own joke. Zebre fans are so hardcore. As you'd have to be, you'd have to have such thick skin. I think the average Zebre fan could beat up your average Zebre player. <laughs> <laughs> there's, de there's definitely like a um, sadomasochist. Right, time. yeah, to support Zebre. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, to be a those, those people, like those fans who show up week in, week out to the stadium on those grey, miserable Palmer days just to <laughs> yeah. watch themselves get beaten to a pulp time and, and time the again they stand in the corner by the bar they're like piercings everywhere tattoos everywhere <laughs> swearing yeah, their great. face just watching it and then after the game out come the players with their like quite attractive girlfriends and their tiny dog and it's like it's like they didn't even notice they just lost you know they're perfectly happy with their like with their tiny little dogs just standing around so what you're saying eddie is that they should just Fans should beat up the players or just take the place of the players, play the game themselves and 
Yeah, I mean, imagine how much you've got to really love this team and rugby to go out there in the rain to the Cheetah della Rugby or whatever they call it and just watch your team get battered. However, I don't think Zebra's battering days are, are going to continue forever. Their, their academy is brilliant. Yeah, and actually, I'm... we should definitely mention, because we should talk about that, because you have much more info than we do on that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say much more, but I can definitely sort of highlight a few um, of the players. Obviously, you guys watch the under-20s, so you could see sort of uh, Quattrini, the 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 um, the hooker who's who was captain, he's he looks like a real star, and obviously uh, Gasparini, uh, he was yeah. an espoir for um, Staff Francais as well. So he recently got uh, released, and Zebra have taken him on, but right. al- almost a higher ceiling, um, in my opinion. So they've they've got some quality players. I, I also think right, we we let. Pani go and we took Bellini um, last year. And I, I don't, I was going to, I said right at the start that I was going to be sort of neutral and not say anything to you. <laughs> no, um, no, we welcome. Um, what's the opposite uh, of new partiality? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think we got the raw end of that deal. I would completely <laughs> agree. Be um, because yeah, I think I would that, agree. That boy has so much potential. I know he's he's a bit of a hothead, and there's a lot of stuff that you know he needs to work on and mature on i just don't see how you put i mean i understand like all of the points you've just made but bellini is just i don't want to be mean about anyone but i mean bellini bellini should not be playing for benetton it annoyed me that can we go back in time 19 sorry 2017 2018 are you about to talk about the interception against ireland Oh, I... <laughs> you're about to, that's one of my. That's one of my. It, it rings yes. out in my memory so clearly. So you're about to, please say that's what you're about to talk about. Um, no, I was going to say the, uh, the 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 little intricate passes with Minotzi when he was at his prime, 2017, yeah. 2018 season. Yeah, so yeah. France for me was the one that was my sticking memory. And not and, and listen, like before any of the French fans come down. Yes, you had a player on the floor. Yeah, we know, right? But. It's uh, that that try that we scored. I think it might even been twenty nineteen, end of Connor's tenure. That was sensational, and that was like a um, a dunk made by Bellini. I think it was Bellini Minotti. It was it was beautiful. So, um, if he was in that sort of form, yeah, great. Like we've we've done a good job, but um, but he's not. <laughs> but I talk about the the interception. The, it was, I think it was England, uh, sorry, Italy, Ireland. We were in Treviso at the time in some Gaelic pub inside the walls. We don't go outside the no, walls. No, no, no. The pub was not inside the walls. The pub was the pub... inside. It was the other side of the river, but it was still inside the walls. Which time is this? This was your first time. I think it's outside. We were inside the walls, mate. We're okay, inside the walls. We're, we're inside the walls. By the river, but inside the walls. Anyway, we were there to see Benetton play Scarlets. And. So this, obviously, the Scarlets fans, they search pub on Google <laughs> and they end up all in this place. So it was a really surreal experience because the Six Nations going on at the same time. We're upstairs in this pub surrounded by Welsh people watching Italy play Ireland. And Bellini intercepts the ball and then is immediately chased down and caught and tackled and... I've really struggled to get over that because watching a winger do an interception and then get caught. Wasn't it Kiefel who, who chased him down? I'm the... not interested. <laughs> I'm not interested. He would be a world-class winger, in my opinion. 
Bless, bless him. Keep, keep old forever young. Anyway, Eddie's never forgiven Bellini. So when we when we brought Bellini over, he was um, very very angry. <laughs> we'll, but... we'll we'll edit lots of this anti Bellini chat out. Probably we're going to be <laughs> But also, we went to go see um, on our road trip around Italy. We went to see Zebre play. Um, I think it was Perpignan. USAP, yeah, I think, I think it, was. it was. Anyway, first thing. First thing that happens is someone passes to Blinny, just knocks it on, and it like just bounces off his chest. <laughs> and it was right in front of me. And I was like, "What? <laughs> what is this? What is this?" And then he was, and then he signed by Benetton. Going back to Zebra, like, <laughs> I, I, no, 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 I, I, I agree with all your with everything you're saying, obviously. And I think Bellini's one of those players where if he can find a little bit of form and confidence, like he's he's, he's a decent player. But he hasn't, and he isn't. So it's one of those, right? He um, scored two tries against Dad Francais. Oh uh, yeah, he did. He did. Because I yelled out in my best Italian <laughs> from the stands. I yelled, "Bellini, tre mette oggi por favore." Nice. And then he immediately scored, and then he scored another one. But all the all that, the people around us kept turning around to Eddie, going like, "Yeah, do it again, <laughs> do it again. He'll score again." <laughs> But he was involved in three tries. He scored two, but then he fell off a tackle in an incredible way, which led to a Stade Francais try. So he did actually get three tries that day. <laughs> but only two of them were for Benetton. <laughs> try involvements, right? I like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, um, let's talk about the game. I feel like we've kind of done a, an interesting tangent. Yeah, let's go back to Benetton v Connacht. It was the uh, round of 16 of the Challenge Cup. Um, and for those who didn't watch the game, the final score was 41-19. Um, but it didn't, it didn't start that way. If we kind of go back to the beginning, beautiful sunny day. I was very jealous watching it on TV. It looked like the most glorious weather. Um, and I wasn't even spritzing because I had to go and work afterwards. So, um, I was very sad, but stunning day, sold out stadium. I mean, how do you like, you can't create a better hype for a game um so coach did it make you happy to see a, a sold out stadium yeah it was um it was packed <laughs> we, don't know, we don't know why it was but when benetton was sense. selling out their games sorry Treviso was selling out the games for the under 20s it made rich slash coach actually angry he was really annoyed that there were so many supporters for the under 20s and he was like why why is the stadium full and benetton can't get a full stadium when they play this is not good enough so there you go especially, you've got a sold out game especially when we've been there and they've played stade francais and it's yeah. not it's nowhere near packed and then connor to arrive <laughs> yeah. which i've bumped into connor at an airport <laughs> <laughs> and at no point did I get my camera out to go cut it here <laughs> yeah but it's knockout rugby coach is different right the hype is real no it was very good it was a very good game um as a back I loved it because it was all about the backs um lots of tries and lots of running rugby it went wide a lot it did um, I mean there were some of the manga passes that were just well he he was feeding those wide passes it was just beautiful to watch um and Eddie as a an ex wasps fan i think you enjoyed it he was he was brilliant and it, it's so good to see because he came to benetton i was so excited i was like eddie this is so exciting and then he just sort of 
well, I, I guess because you, you, when you go through a period in your life like that where there's so much upheaval and so much difficult, and then suddenly you find yourself in Italy when you weren't expecting to be in Italy, it, it just it wasn't really clicking for him. And there was Albanoz playing at Tenry. But now to see him doing what we were all hoping he was going to do is just so fun. Also nice not to be the club that gets a yellow card. <laughs> that was a refreshing a yellow, and I mean, I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but a yellow that possibly could have been a red. I mean, there was a lot of debate on the uh, on the socials. We didn't get enough angles to for me in live action. I was like, oh my god, he's off, he's done, his like he's going to see a, a lengthy ban. But then it turned into a yellow, and the replays that we saw didn't really suggest a red. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'm well, no, I'm the opposite. I think I. I don't want any Connacht fans coming at me and it's not a hill I'm prepared to die on and it wouldn't have made any difference to the game either way because it was past 70 minutes. But when I saw it in 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 full, what, what's the word? The opposite of real slow time. motion. Real normal, time. Normal, yeah. real time. I thought he'd just been smacked across the chops and it was a probably a red card. And he'd just been fouled before. There was a, um, a mm. high tackle as well on, on Rhino Smith earlier on, which wasn't called. Anyway, I thought it was probably a red, but I'm not going to argue and complain about it. Yeah, they were they were proper targeting like Menoncello as right? well. Right, they were they uh, were going for him, roughing him up on the floor. They were yeah. just trying to try, trying to keep him down as and out of the game as long as possible. Like. Yeah, which to be fair, if you spot him, like he's kind of the orchestrator certainly of the first try with that great he takes it i mean brex gives him a pretty crap pass to be honest behind him manages to take it with one hand hand and then pass it on this perfect little offload to um watson to then run it in i mean beautiful work from menoncello he, yeah, he no, really no. set the tone early didn't he with, yeah with that, that yeah, double yeah. Tackle straight off the bat um i think who was it he, the second person was Binyaki. i think it was matt hansen off like hard line and he tackles him and then he gets up straight away and then uh Bashes um, Aki, who Matt, uh, Matt Hansen um, offloads to, like he knocks him back as well. He 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 was up for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a great game. Um, it, it's, it reminded me a little bit of the Italy-Ireland game um, in the Six Nations. The way that they targeted him was similar to the way that Ireland went after Capuzzo. Yeah. It was like, any way you can get him. I'm not calling them, you know, I'm not saying there's anything dirty in that. No, no. In As a tactic, but that's what they were trying to do. However, there were loads of high tackles against Capuzzo, and that is why he missed the rest of the Six Nations. And also there were high tackles against Melancello as well. So if you want to do that tactic, stop hitting people illegally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or hit them illegally, but refs, please, please call it. Please <laughs> to be fair, I thought the ref all the way through had a very clear structure of like, yeah, I'm not checking anything unless the TMO specifically tells me. And also then I'm not even going to ask the TMO that many questions. I'm just going to go on a recommendation to keep this thing moving. It seemed to me what he was doing. And I was fine with that. How, how nice was it to get genuinely like one of the best ref? Well, I say one of the best top top five, arguably top three arguably best refs in the world christopher ridley's fantastic yeah yeah no i i thought he was great i thought he he kept the game moving i have my my pet peeve is when you get those refs who will just like blow at anything not sort of play an advantage yeah i thought it was it was a really smooth game did you guys like we we have we have a discord right and we uh we joke about it a lot 
and uh, Ed, you're, you're part of it. But Pasquale yes, this is the, the secret Freemasons group that we talk about on the podcast. Yeah, um, <laughs> they're doing the secret handshake in front of Rich and I, where we we have to learn. Coach, maybe we should just copy them. We should learn the handshake, and then we. Oh, so okay. you guys are initiating. Um, so, so, so we have like this uh, this bit of like whole joking of uh, Pasquale, uh, just because he's he's um we we say he's like the the overlord, and we joke that he has dirt on a lot of the on coaches. On Um, but. I was I was pleasantly surprised at first. Right, I thought he had a really good game yeah, for I the mean, most part. For, for well, most if, you're, part, if your yeah. contract's coming up for renewal and you know it, <laughs> and you're speaking to your agent, and your agent's going, "No, there's nothing else coming in." I'm afraid. <laughs> I've contacted everyone; they're not picking up the phone, and that's going to be your motivation. <laughs> I, ma- I imagine that conversation was he was he was like sat at the dinner table like munching pie. He got the phone call. He's like. <laughs> And he puts it down and then starts picking up his sandals. <laughs> starts seeing it. He's like, all right, it's time. I mean, he is a very handsome man. He is. Stunning. He is. Stunning human being. I do uh, hear Worcester want him, though. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. Too soon, Rich. Too soon. <laughs> He's Ro- is is he Roman? I think he is a Roman. He gives yeah. off like real kind of Roman energy. I, th- I think he's hot. I had this conversation earlier, and, and someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong. But I think he's half Scottish as well. As in, is he? I think he so. The, as in, he, I think he came through the Leicester Academy. He did. Yeah. No, he did. He, he came through the Tigers Academy for sure. But I think he's half Scottish. That's um, nuts. He gives off like the most Roman energy. Yeah. What's his first name? Can we anglicise it? Tiziano. <laughs> No, there's no, there's. Tiziano Pasquale. There's um, no, there's absolutely nothing. I draw yeah, a blank. Sam Hidalgo Klein was, you know, said that he'd proper put an arm around him when he first came and he was showing him all the decent restaurants. Shock. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Half Scottish though. Who would have thought? So. I think I mean, so. Maybe. I mean, we'll the, the, the hair that. is a bit then, kind of. Um, and if he's yeah. not half Scottish, we're going to have to delete this entire bit. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't I'll, know. I'll Let's just go that. with him being half Scottish. I'm okay with that. But um, who am I thinking of? Famous Scottish person with the hair, Mel Gibson, Braveheart. All <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. Because he's. Not I, thought, I, was, I was trying to think of a rugby player. I'm like. <laughs> I mean. No, no. I, mean, I was just thinking of Braveheart. <laughs> It gives off similar like Roman Braveheart energy. Well, that's how I can see him as being partly Scottish. But yeah, I thought he had a pretty good game. Funnily, in the scrum, Eddie, you picked up on this. Um, Tatas on the other side of the scrum was having less of a good game. Tatas. There was just this bit where he he was being such a prop and he was looking at, you know, the official on the touchline. And he was pointing and he was being so animated and really trying to get him on board. And then the scrum happens. And I've never seen someone pull down a scrum as hard as he tried to pull it. <laughs> and it was just so stupid. Like You've just asked them specifically to watch you. And then you have in the most obvious fashion. It's like he wasn't even pushing forward. or his All his weight was just down on that elbow, pulling it down, pulling it down. <laughs> Let's shine a big spotlight on this. Whilst I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, as, as Rich said, the, the game... Right, so the forwards were doing all the hard work off the ball and getting on, you know, doing their job, so the the backs could shine, 
and shine they did. What other tries were that were, that were brilliant? I mean, obviously, Rhino, Rhino Smith they scored his try, which could have been a penalty try if he didn't get it down, I thought. Rhino Smith was on fire. I all, I almost got annoyed like annoyed for him at the end because there were almost two other tries that could have he could have scored, right? But that he just completely misses the ball. Like again, a long pass out to him on the wing, and they just sort of slip through his hands twice, almost back to back in the space of two minutes. You're like, ah, oh, you were you're having such a great game. And he slips too, but I mean it was fine. Other than that, he had a brilliant game. Got into a bit of a tussle with Hansen. And you know what? The boys should have been quicker to react and got more violent than they did. I enjoyed that tussle, though, because it, it, it showed me that these Connax boys were actually gutted. Yeah. You know, it showed that they they were fed up with this, that they'd come there and they'd been... They were thoroughly beaten. I, I don't mean that in any disrespect, but they were. If you concede 41 points, you've been thoroughly beaten. And... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting debate. Um, were we brilliant or were they not good um I, I even at the beginning when we went kind of you know they scored 14 points um before we even 12 oh no, yeah. sorry yeah 12 before we we saw anything on the scoreboard um i wasn't worried like it, it felt like okay this could go badly but i didn't think it would yeah handling I, was excellent I handling don't know where was it, excellent what we're gonna have is a really awkward bit in the pod where it doesn't <laughs> make sense and then and then it's just rich jumping in Handling was excellent. <laughs> For listeners that don't know, we had a memory problem. Not us, we are old, but that wasn't the problem. We had an issue with the hard drive, so we're having to jump in again. Here we are, back to the game. Handling was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the handling was pretty good, apart it from... It was in the fucking Brixton. <laughs> we're keeping that in. You're going to dox yourself, Eddie. Apart from fucking Brixton. <laughs> Where are you from? I'm from fucking Brixton. <laughs> Never should have signed him. Anyway, the, the, the try they scored at 20 minutes was really lovely. Umanga to Brex. Brex had done earlier on a pass behind. I don't know who he passed it behind. It was a pass to nobody and they knocked it on, which was really early on. It was a missed opportunity, which actually sucked. And then he did the same thing again. But luckily this time Menoncello put his hand out behind him and caught it. Yeah. Lovely little... One-handed pass to Watson, looping around, finished it off beautifully. Rhino Smith then scored a try, which could have been a penalty try because he was tackled round the neck as he was dotting it down. Um... And then their third one was the third one of the first half was Padovani's, um try, which looked like it had been a complete mess up. Right, like that pass was a bit sloppy, and then the defenders had kind of run over to cover. But he kind of created a, a try out of nowhere. And earlier in the game, while watching, I was like, oh, I'm not sure about Padovani on the wing. I just didn't really see what he brings. And then I was sort of shut up because he finished that off like a wing. I just love the way that when we win, it's always Rhino Smith playing well. If Rhino Smith is playing well, we win. Yeah. Every Rhino's time. great. I love Rhino. I have a, <laughs> a special place in my heart for Rhino. The fact that he's been there not that long and already tries to give all his interviews in Italian. I mean... As an Italian, that's a big tick for me. When he started to to, to to start running in the... Well, I don't know. When when we had that feeling where this was going to happen again, we were going to get beat at home, Rhino Smith does this incredible run, and I just thought, oh, Willow, the tides might be changing, and they were. And it, I just love him. I think he's so underrated. Just tying back to what you were saying earlier about the, um, the fly halves and the handling as well, 
Um, you mentioned Umaga and obviously he threw some some wonderful passes. Um, but what Umaga and Albanos give isn't something that we traditionally have in our Italian fly halves. Like they're very confident taking it to the line, very confident about creating the space out back. And then, like you said, you know, Brex can 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 make the decision as a second receiver to either pass it out back or or or, or kick it, depending on how Brex is feeling. But um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's it we we really struggle um, at a national team level to have players like that, and Umago just really stepped up. In fact, I don't think there's much, if anything, between uh, him and Albanos now. I think we've got right. Quality. Yeah. So I was, we, when we saw the team released, we were a bit like, oh, I wonder, because obviously I assumed that he was starting over Albanoz because Albanoz had had a a bit of a a break. And so maybe he wasn't up to sort of. A break is a really diplomatic way of putting it. He'd taken a bit bit of leave. Holiday. He he was done for potentially eye gouging, which obviously I don't think anyone watching it would say. It was an eye gouge, but he did push someone in the face with yeah. sort of cat-like fingers. And so obviously you get banned for a long time. So after his little mini break, where he probably <laughs> visited the Canaries, had a bit of time off. I thought, oh, okay, he's not starting because he's just not up to it yet. But actually, Umago came in and proved that you're right. Like there's nothing between them. And, and some of the the passes that he and, and plays that he was creating were as good as... Well, you had Umanga was pulling out these amazing passes and I want to talk a little bit about Rhino Smith's try and how that I think affected some of the other tries but Umanga's pulling out these passes I don't think Umanga has the raw pace that Albanos has Albanos is absolutely shit off a shovel quick but later on in the game he tried to pull one of those passes to Rhino Smith and whatever happened Rhino Smith just didn't catch it quite hard to see if it's a bad pass or if Rhino Smith just turned into air and it went through him but that's an interesting slight difference between the two players I, I think I would say off the bat Albanoz is a more attacking you say talk taking it to the line fly half for me but Umanga has a distribution skill which I really really enjoy it's kind of like Tommaso Allen on his best day is what Umanga can bring he's almost like a 12 isn't he um in terms of how at a sec- at second receiver, those passes that he was throwing, yeah, missed passes that he was throwing. It's almost like what you see Faz do um, mm. when it's it's a Smith Faz or Ford um, Faz um, partnership. It's right, Ford is taking it to the line, giving a small pass, and then he's doing loop ones. But he's actually quite comfortable taking it to the line and still throwing those mm. those redonkulous passes. So um, I'd love to see. I I I know he played twelve. England um, when when Smith got capped I think they both got capped at the same time yeah right there was something it was I, I don't know if this is fact I, say, I might it? be wrong but I think I saw that basically he's only had one cap and it was like off the bench in the last few minutes of some game is that yeah, right yeah it was against, it was against it's, United it's States. States yeah it's, uh, um, Eddie Eddie uh, Jones yeah, yeah. yeah when he just shame. when he just screws people yeah does that mean he can't play for Italy? Uh, wow. he, can never, he can never play for Italy, but he's got to be there for five years at least now because they've changed the thing. Can but he might for... be able to play for Samoa. Samoa and Tonga. 
I don't know. Uncle, now I feel like I'm a racist. No, no, you're I'm right. You're, you're, you're right, and I'm wrong. It's Samoa, and his dad was born in New Zealand, so New Zealand as well. They're oh. not the same place, Mike. They're very different <laughs> places. You mean? I thought I thought Tonga, Samoa, the Cook Islands. His uncle. His uncle's an All Black. I played rugby against Guam. <laughs> I did, what? and they did a hacker. <laughs> And he it's... stole all their stuff. Did they actually? <laughs> they did. They did do a hacker. Guam, they did a hacker and they count as a Pacific Island nation. So is Guam, like I actually know nothing about Guam. Is Guam a Fiji type island out there in the Pacific Island? Yeah. I mean, the Pacific's you. quite a big place. Yeah, but like that in <laughs> that area. Well, I don't think it's really near them, but they're not near each other either. Um, the Pacific is massive. Did you well, win? It's a, it's a point of contention. <laughs> so no. But among um uncle was a famous All Black. The one uh, of the most famous All Blacks. Yeah, he was one the, of the one most that famous. he was the one that tried to kill Brian O'Driscoll. That's it. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was Tano Umanga and Jerry Collins uh, killed Brian O'Driscoll. It's got nothing to do with Italian rugby. But it does show the difference between time because that was only in 2005 and there wasn't a single person with a clip of it on their phone. Whereas nowadays, there would be yeah. so many clips of that event. Anyway, the distribution, I think... So we had the try from Rhino Smith where he was tackled around the neck on totting it down. After that, you had a terrible pass from Rhino Smith to Padovani and Padovani did a pretty good winger's finish to dot mm -hmm. it down, proving his worth as a winger. I think that's because Rhino Smith scared them so much in his first try that that created space on the wing outside in, yeah. him for the rest of the game. And that's why these guys were able to throw these massive passes. That's why the, his crappy little pass to Padovani, Padovani was still, still able to finish it. And then later on, there was another massive Umanga pass to Padovani on the wing. Again, because those def that defence doesn't feel comfortable at all moving off rhino they have to stay with him because if you give him half a yard he's gonna do you yeah i thought he was great that you could tell something i did a bit of league as well and he just knows the power of just getting it wide and when you've got watson padovani on the wing the results speak for themselves this is what i wanted every time i go to a rugby match is this sort of wide wide expansive rugby and and the wing is taking all the credit for once could rhino be the new monty potentially could Monty's shoes ever be filled by anyone? Well, Watson's doing a great job. He's got front, you know, straight line speed, like, like just like him. I agree. He does annoy me a little bit. If I'm just playing devil's advocate here, he does annoy me a little bit when, when it's sort of, when it's fifty-fifty and he decides to yeah. chip, um, when he doesn't need to. That annoys, and he and he does that a That's lot. That's actually why we lost against um, Guam. Someone did just that. That's fair. Scrum, last play of the game. Guam put in. I go around the back. I spoil their other scrum half. We get the ball back. We're in there 22. Sunny Bill, Eddie tips it over. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of our players who wasn't me tried to chip and chase, and then obviously that was the end of the game. And I bet you were really calm about it and you didn't say anything to your home. You just said, well played, mate. I didn't have to say anything because the coaches said it all. The line was, the line was, if I, it was a, it was a Kiwi coach and he said, if I had the money, I'd put you on the first fucking flight home. <laughs> <laughs> to a child. Bearing in mind, you're all children. It was, and it was international under-19s, but not for a, not for a um, 
when we were beaten by Guam. So I think that tells you what level of international it was, <laughs> but still. But yes, I think, no, you're right. Watson is proving himself, Umaga. Like, it's suddenly, it feels like things are sort of clicking into place, which for a long time, you know, to, uh, Watson and Umanga haven't really shone in the way that I know that they can until until this weekend, really. Um, we've seen sort of glimpses, but it really felt like it was coming together and they were having fun um, this weekend. There was a beautiful try in the second half. I think it was the, the last one of our tries where uh, Watson chips again and Ritzer gathers and scores in the corner, which was just glorious. It's the kind of try that sort of happens out of nothing and that 99% of the time happens to Benetton. But this time we did it to someone else and it was just great to see. If Munster did that, that would be on the highlight reel all weekend and it would be Munster, oh, I don't know, Leinster and everyone will be talking about it for a week. And what would make it yeah. even more yeah. of that is because I got it here. So it came from a Rhino Smith um, up and under as he is one to do. And then it was caught by a prop and then it went to a flanker and then a hooker, and then a second row, and then another flanker, then to the winger, and then finished by a second row. So it was the in, it was incredible hands, but all of it was done by big old beefy boys, all playing like they are 13s. In fact, not even a 13, because can't pass, won't pass. They're all playing like 10s in that moment. It was Zahats, Negri, Mayo, and Rutzer. Lamaro. And Lamaro passes it on. But then yeah. for Rutzer to then, and also if you look at it, we'll, <laughs> on our social media, we'll put the highlights of the game. Watch Rutzer because it's such a deliberate no-look pass. But his face is so tense yeah, yeah, because yeah, he yeah. knows he's about to do a no-look pass. He's like, he looks really <laughs> tense about it and then just shuffles it without looking. And I really appreciate that. And But obviously the the drive to finish was fantastic. Right, why do you think Sam Hidalgo Klein's not getting picked? I forgot he was still there. It's weird, isn't it? Like he's, it's he's, he's like he he'll be on big money as well. It's not he's not like a a cheap, a cheap signature. But how many clubs has he been at we in the met... last ten years? Ten years is a long time, you know. A few years. He he travels yeah. around a lot. We met his um his friend. Do you remember Eddie? We were out in Clapham, and a friend of his said, "Oh, you're because they saw Eddie was wearing a Benetton coat." And this guy's like, "Oh, my friends just signed for them." And I thought it must have been Zebra because I didn't hear about a Benetton signing. But yeah. then, no, it was. It was Hidalgo Klein. It's just odd that he... Yeah, game time it is odd. All, because he's, he is a quality player. Um, he, was at, he was at Exeter, wasn't he? But I'm not sure that we've seen... I know nothing about him beyond his Benetton career. Um, but within his Benetton career, I haven't thought, oh, he's no, incredible. He's been... No, but I also I haven't seen anything, and let's not forget, I I was a scrum half and I played against Guam. I haven't <laughs> seen anything that he's done which is also terrible. Like I think he's pretty solid. He's quite. A, yeah, but I mean, come on, we've got decent is, scrum halves. I think halves he's quite a DD type scrum half, and DD does it better than he does. So it's you better. go like, yeah, you know, you don't yeah. put him on the bench and go like for like. You put another scrum half who actually does something a bit differently. I th I think as well. And and this this echoes with Chris Cook as well. That, that there's definite ish communication barrier issues that need to be elevated for like scrum halves, and less so fly halves, but definitely scrum halves to perform because obviously they need to articulate to the forwards who may or may not speak good English what they 
what what they want to be done, right? They need to command the forwards. And for me, it looks like he was definitely struggling at the start. Um, but it just it just strikes me now when it's sort of crunch time and we have so many opportunities yeah. for him to really <clears throat> utilize his experience. It was odd that we have um Alessandro on, on the bench instead. It just but how yeah. much pressure do you think there is from the like the federation? I know we've got that I know we've got that seven rule uh, seven seven international player rule now where you can yeah. only have seven non-Italian qualified players in a squad. Yeah. But apart from that, do you think there's actual additional pressure to say, you look, we need you to be putting these scrum halves out? Do you think there's any phone calls? I mean, Crowley was obviously the head coach there, knows Bortolami very well, but also I don't think Innocenti Innocenti is shy of telling people what he wants. So I wonder how much pressure there is to say, make sure that these scrum halves are coming through. I think a lot. I think a lot, but also I don't think there's anything wrong with that because they do it everywhere else. So I why agree. shouldn't we do I, it? I, I'm, I'm all for it as well. I, um, I, I think the issue lies um, where Crowley's, Crowley clearly has this frustration because he, he, he voiced it saying, I watched, I don't know if you guys watched the breakdown. I think it was before Italy played New Zealand in the, um, not Autumn Gone, but Autumn Before. And, um, they were just he was just sort of giving his very honest opinion of Italian rugby and uh they were talking about the fullback in particular and he he mentioned that neither franchise have an Italian fullback that they've been playing. So he's like, Where am I meant to develop these players for And mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 good pressure coming from the Federation and I think it's probably something that he's advocated for for a while. Um and listen, Garbisi isn't a isn't a bad replacement. I'm not I'm I'm not pooping on Garbisi at all. Yeah, I, I am saying some during these tournament style knockout stages, and we have to treat every game until the end of the season like a knockout game. Well, they um, they, they yeah. literally they literally all are because if yeah. you lose one of those games in South Africa, you're finished yeah. in the in the in you're the out. BKT URC. Yeah, and if you obviously if you lose a knockout game you are out as well. So they yeah. are all knockout games. Yeah. And someone who has that experience of playing in a high level team, like I mentioned, Exeter, I, I haven't Googled um, Sam, Hadalbert, but I think he played, played at Quinns as well, if I remember. So he's he's had exposure to really good environments, like winning environments. Um, and you, you, you mentioned off air about Zebra and not, you know, necessarily having that person who, um catalyzes the team and knows how to win having someone who's been in a winning environment is really important at the latter stages of a tough match you know so yeah um, are you saying the experience of someone like luca bg doesn't cut it <laughs> <laughs> he's um he's supreme leader so <laughs> will we go a single episode without mentioning luca bg in it and not even for the right reasons um but then actually, with that in mind, someone like Albanoz, who did come on later um, after his mini <laughs> holiday um, break, played superbly, right? He came on and I was, he was, you know, making tackles, turnovers. He, well, he came on and um, they put him on as fullback and Rhino on the wing. There was a weird like switch around because Padovani came off. Mancello got injured. Did Albanoz go? Men- yeah, so Menchelo got, I think it was HIA, or 
he might he might have got yeah. out out and then they brought uh Garbisi on for Menoncello. Um yeah. So there was yeah. I, I, I'm guessing at that point you're right, it, he went on at fullback and then they played Garbisi on the wing, I think. It's yeah, the yeah. problem with having a six two split. I personally hate six two splits. Whenever I see a six two split, it makes me really nervous because that's it. One of your bench people on the bench is gonna be a scrum half because we're the most important position. And then the <laughs> and then you have one back to cover absolutely everyone. And... Yeah, I, I said it in, in, in the Discord. I think when you have players who can play multiple positions at a high level, so for example, even just Menoncho being able to play 12 and 13, and then having Umaga who can play, he has played fullback at Wasps, he can play 10. If push came to the shove, he probably could do a job at 12. But 10 and 15, you sort of back him to do a pretty good job. Um, then you can start sort of like, oh, Rhino could potentially play 10 if we need him, or like Rhino can play, you know, like wings if we need it. Padovani can play. but So it only really works in principle if there, there, there is that versatility in the back line. Um, yeah. So it's, it's, I, I agree with you. I think it's, it, especially in like test games, you know someone's going to get, targeted Menachero got targeted and yeah um, yeah you know it's quite easy to to try and break the link if they don't have decent depth on the bench mm. I mean hopefully he's fine for next week because they did really rough him up we need um, to re we need to check this as in we're not going to someone on anyone listening can check because um my pen pal said mm -hmm. that um when Padovani went off Rhino Smith probably went to the wing and then Umanga back to 15 could be that as well yeah he's played 15 the wasps there's a lot there's a lot of options there to shuffle it so that you are protected a bit with your six two. Oh, so albinos went to 10 and umanga went to 15 yeah, that might make that. sense yeah but just a final i mean of the of the super subs that came on zuliani coming on and just being the wonder machine that zuliani is i'm obsessed with him double turnover in the space of like a minute just creating magic everything he touches it he's just the such best. a um, weapon to have when you're defending and you know that you've got players who are able to turn the ball over yeah and you bring him on as as literally without wanting to like sing eddie jones's praises but like as a super sub right he's coming on to he should be starting in my opinion i i mean I know that it's very competitive, but he should be starting. I think he's so good. Tough, isn't I'd... it? So tough. Hadafi, he coming back it as well. He's, yeah. he, Zuli, I, I am 100% yeah. with you. Zuliani is just such a specimen. He's a thug. He's he's something that we've missed yeah. in Italian rugby in general. But he's just a thug. Like he, he just You can see he loves it. Our back row, like you said, is stacked. It's so stacked. Talking about back row, just, just real quick. Isakor, when he came on, right? Uh, yeah, he's a when he came on was impressive, but right at the end, right, just, just before um, they went to like we turned on the ball, he was screaming, "Kick it out, kick it out!" And then it went from "kick it out, kick, keep going, keep going, keep going." Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was. was... <laughs> he makes this great run. Double, like, double yes. hand off. Like that, that guy. That guy is a specimen. <laughs> like he is. It's so good right? to see him do that because he did it. He did a couple of runs similar to that playing for Italy A. Yeah, and that was really impressive. And mm. then when he's played for Benetton, he hasn't been able to do it. 
And so I think that time he's had off the bench just now, doing that and getting confidence of doing that is going to do him the world of good because he is brilliant. But you know what? Good luck getting picked in the Italian back row. That's that's it. Yeah. Yeah. How do we know? I mean, I could easily Google this, but Zuliani, I think, is still super young, right? 22, I think. Yeah, right. Fine. I mean, him, baby. Ba- I mean, him, Baby Canone, the, the great fact that they, that is, I mean, it's an obvious fact, but some during the game when they were like, oh, and, you know, obviously Peloton's uh, captain, Michele Lamaro, uh, at the ripe old age of 24. And I was like, hang on a minute, look, Lamaro's 24? I mean, in my head, I, I don't know why, but I thought he was at least well, 26, 27, 28. He's 24. The captain of Italy, who was made captain two years ago, is 24. On the weekend, it was his 50th cap for Benetton. Not 50th cap for Italy. 50th game of professional rugby in total. He's already captained Italy through, what, two Six Nations. 50th game of professional rugby. He's 24 years old. And they said he took up rugby at the age of 16. That's insane. It's mad. He he's only been playing rugby for eight years, and and, and two and two and he years was made ago, captain six he years was made after captain playing. Of Italy, r- yeah. So that means he'd been playing rugby for six years when he was made captain of his country. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I, that's that's I I didn't know that fact. That's awesome. I was fourteen after six years of rugby. Crazy, <laughs> and that was your peak. <laughs> so we're downhill from there. <laughs> But yeah, it was a fantastic game. Um, I mean, we we should move on to the other things we want to talk about. But I am going to put to you guys, brilliant, brilliant game for Benetton. They now have a big feat. Um, well, they've got Cardiff at home this coming Saturday. What what do you do? Do you change things? Do you keep them the same? What 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 do you do? You're the coach. Coach, what do you do? You do exactly what you did at the weekend. Yeah, I mean, are there any changes that kind of spring to mind? Because for me, it was really solid. Um, they didn't start as strong as they should, and they had opportunities at the beginning, which was frustrating. I mean, the first try was Connacht, but it, the pressure felt like it had been Benetton. So We've done okay against Cardiff in the past. I think one of Benetton's big issues in general, we talk about the number of players that the franchises have, and we also talk about the massive rotations that Bortolami puts in. I don't think that works well with knockout rugby. I think every team, you know, you should know who your first 15 is. And I think, you know, the the job those boys did at the weekend, they should get told, you are our first 15. And the game against Cardiff is a massive game. It's a knockout game. If you win that, you're in the semi-final of a European Cup. You are the first 15 and you go and do it. I don't think there's, for me, there's no space for twatting around, thinking about the trip to South Africa and what else is coming up. It's literally yeah. like that game is it. All that matters, pick your best. And I think the best were basically the team that we had. Were there any injuries that we missed? Yeah, I th- I, I think yeah. I, for, for me, right, we know how destructive Cardiff's scrum is. And if Ferrari is fit, oh, of course, he needs, yeah. needs to play that game. Um, that's that, yeah. but I, I agree with you guys. I think that was. By, by and large, like our best team, and it just clicked. And when you have a team like that, yeah. like you said, you you don't want to mess around with it. Um, 
what one one change I personally would make is if Ferrari is one hundred percent, he plays that game. I one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. But you know, it's, it has been quite annoying throughout the year. You can almost see when Bortolami releases the team that, like, how much he gives a shit about that particular game, and that, well, that's what it feels like to me. You're like, you look at the team and you go, well, that's not going to win. Why are you taking that team to Glasgow? Oh, don't we went we went to that gl- that game in Glasgow, and it was the most depressing thing we've ever seen. Um, equally, Baby Canone, he's injured, isn't he? Or is he injured? He was, he was, he yes. was injured. Because he, didn't... he was injured, but I don't know if he'll be back. But to be honest, even then, I for me, I would say Stowers, you're starting at eight, even if Canone's fit, and I put Canone on the bench, so Stowers know knows that there's a badass number eight ready to come on. Wait, so you put him instead of Zuliani? I, I would, I would keep everyone the same except for, as Mike says, put Ferrari on. You have to be rewarded for good work. You do, yeah, I agree with that. And those guys did well. So if you've been in that team and all of a sudden you're cut, yeah. you're going, well, what's the point? And the players on the yeah. bench no, have to yeah. know that if their opposite number does a good job, they're going to be benched, waiting for them to cock it up. So it creates an atmosphere of when you're on the yeah. pitch, make your minutes count. Otherwise, what you end up with is basically the Tommaso Allen, Carlo Canna fly half fiasco of the last decade where they both know that they're on all the time and there's no pressure. <laughs> what dirt does he have? <laughs> but you know, he he kind of pulled it semi out of the bag, so we can't we can't be too <laughs> too conspiratorial about him. But yeah, it was, I mean, it was a great game, a great weekend. I mean, uh, the fun fact from the weekend, which I think still stands, um, it was the case on Saturday evening. Uh, every home team in, uh, the, you know, either in the Challenge or in the Champions this weekend, won bar, bar one. Um, oh, no, I enjoyed my start. It was Leon on Saturday who, who won Speaking away of Leon, from home. Um, talking about Benetton's route to the final, we have Cardiff at the quarterfinal at home. After that, we either have Lyon or Toulon. If we have Lyon, it's at home in Treviso. If we have Toulon, it's away at the Stade Mayor. So really hoping that Lyon can do Benetton in speech marks a favour. There's no favour about having a team as good yeah. as Lyon coming to your ground, but at least you get to play at home as opposed to going to Toulon yeah, fingers crossed for that then. Um, uh, last week we spoke about your favourite club out in in England. Now that Wasps has um, closed, and that, and we decided unanimously, the three of us, that Exeter was probably our club of choice. I don't know if any of you caught the uh, Exeter Montpellier game. I was a bit of a neutral watching it, and I kind of just had it on the background because I was watching Garbizi. Um, oh my God, watch it! If you haven't watched any rugby this weekend. Go and watch that game on catch up. Uh, I won't give spoilers, but it it was just a phenomenal game of rugby, especially the last ah. however many minutes. Yeah, no, but uh, do, that's all. Do I'll go say. watch it, and we well, we can say that Garbisi kicks ass in that game. Yeah, he does everything he can. Oh well, read into that. I what won't you spoil I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, he does everything that's within his power oh, yeah. to win it. 
Are you okay? Okay, let's move but on. I will tell um, you this, because we've they don't lose it. Watch the game. We should get sponsorship from the EPCR for the. We don't need sponsors. We want sponsorship from the BKTURC. Or Aperol. Aperol sponsor us. We're we're all there. BKT make Um, tires. Guys. Wonderful tires. Tires for industrial machineries like tractors. We think they do an excellent job. We think the role of tire makers is underrepresented. And we are prepared. They are the Pirelli, the Pirelli of industrial tires. What I would, my dream is to have a Lamborghini tractor with BKT tires <laughs> because they sponsor the BKT URC. I thought we were sponsored by Huel. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were. Why am I getting these emails from Huel then? <laughs> I mean, talking about sponsors. Benetton's shirt looks like a Formula One car. It's got so many sponsors on it. I like that, though. But it's it still looks good. And any team sponsored by Prosecco gets my vote. Um, right, let's move on, guys. Let's quickly look at the women's Six Nations, the Italy game, um, the England-Italy game. The score was brutal. Um, but I was a little bit overwhelmed by the whole thing. Eddie, you were a little bit more optimistic. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to start. Obviously, the score was a bit of a cricket score. And I said last week that I didn't think it was going to be a cricket score. But you've got to remember that England have professional players in all their clubs in their women's league. And Italy, I think, have 22 professional players who are federally contracted. And then they've got a couple of players in France and a couple of players in England. So their depth isn't there red roses are whatever the fuck happened in new zealand we all know they're the best team in the world by a country mile and they were one line out away from proving that to the rest of the world but anyway i'm not angry and bitter about that we're here to talk about italian rugby and i thought the azure they were outgassed on the wings but in general Mm. i thought they did very well The problem is for every two things they did well, they did one thing badly. And if you do that against a team as good as the Red Roses, you just get punished all day. My controversial point is that I think their number 12, Rigoni. 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 I would venture because I only saw the second half. And all I saw was the kind of complacency I used to see from two pre-mentioned fly halves in the men's game from a few years ago that's what i saw i saw someone who knew that she could never be dropped so she missed a really important kick to the corner didn't make touch and then she kept various times she missed touch stupid yeah. little chips over the top to a back three which are infinitely faster than the italian back three and on top of that in defense she she made some bad decisions so i think if you're gonna you know you need to be strict as a coach your coach agrees and i would put her on the bench and i saw a lineswoman celebrate a try <laughs> we should share I'm that definitely clip, sharing um, i'm sharing coach... that clip and the guy who's looking to put an extension <laughs> on that has to be shared are you saying you saw a lineswoman various... try yeah didn't you see it he sent it to us in the whatsapp group he she sent us a video of she the runs down woman she runs down the, um, the sideline as they do and like the, the try gets scored and she has a little skip in her step and with a little mini she does a little like yeah, a mini, mini fist, fist bump. Bump. Like, like what's a... going on <laughs> why are you celebrating this i mean to be honest i did see i'm not i'm not i'm not starting a conspiracy we save that for the dark areas of the web don't we mike but i i didn't <laughs> particularly like this referee 
the thing that made it so obvious that everything that she said was 100% the opposite of what the TMO was telling her. There was one where they kicked it out and she went, uh, an Italian player tried to keep it in and she went, started out, was out and the ball crossed the line, the plane, and then proceeded to give the line out the opposite way of the way she just said it. It's not necessarily sort of the referees trying to control the game, but one thing I do think needs to be looked at before the World Cup is the amount of influence um, the uh, what's it called the not the production team the you know you know like the teams who have so so for example there's this stereotype that French media teams like don't show replays right. that and yeah obviously the TMO can request images if he if he knows mm-hmm. the angles that he's requesting it from but he doesn't know what he doesn't know or she doesn't know what she doesn't know so there needs to be <clears throat> I'd love to see sort of an independent more independent production team you know just have yeah. you know the same way you have an independent tmo and refereeing why, why couldn't there be more collaboration across those but um i just don't want to see yeah. the world cup dictated by and, and and this isn't necessarily for france specifically but i mean just in general you know like i, I wouldn't want to see it no it's a good point well, there was one today where there was a in the ladies game where there was a tackle and it looked to me like the England player knocked it on and the ref clearly called, you know, ripped in the tackle, no knock on. Yeah. But then they never showed a replay of it. And that's just quite frustrating as a yeah. viewer because you want to see it. I mean, for me, the one that stands out is the the Ireland James Lowe into touch. Was he, did his foot touch the ground or was the ball right? And they, and there was a whole debate about it. And the TMO was like, well, these are the angles I have. And then afterwards they released a different angle that clearly showed that he was in touch. And I was like, well, so did the TMO just not show that angle? No, he must just not have had it at the time. And then the production team involved shared it. I, I just... Yeah, yeah, you're completely just, right. It, it would be such a horrible way to have like a major tournament dictated. And yeah. what, like 2007? <laughs> it's it's funny. I had this discussion with um, some of my old teammates and it, that one comes up so often. <laughs> well, like, the way you no, was a try and then it was brutally robbed. <laughs> Matthew Tate makes one of the best breaks anyone's ever seen in professional rugby. Passes it to Cueto. Cueto finishes like a G in the corner. Yeah. And then it's stolen. I listen. I, I'm I'm 100 with you on that one as well. Like, what, not, <laughs> I, there's no argument, right? Um, but yeah, I, just... I should say to anyone that like all England fans, like, remember 2007? <laughs> oh, that's God. what it feels like supporting Benetton Zebre or the Italian national side. That feeling of injustice <laughs> that you had. That's week in, week out, and that's why Zebre fans have tattoos on their ears. <laughs> but yeah, let's not dwell too much on the on the Italy uh, England game, England Italy game, because you know we they're the best. Team I think in the they world, were positive. It was going to happen. I think they really um, were positives. I looked at. I think they they, yes. they they were good. They need to stop doing those stupid chip chases when the back three of England yeah. are tearing them apart. But let's be honest, we always knew that they were going to lose to the Red Roses. And their Six Nations starts now. Yeah, it does. And it's whether they, now they've got to fight for third place, right? Um, England are a league of their own. France are up there. And now it's like Ireland and Scotland should be easy enough, I say, touching all the wood. But it's it's whether we can take on Wales. That's, um, that's the that exciting tournament. I mean, it is, a, it is very much a two-tier tournament at the minute, the, six, the women's Six Nations. And bless Ireland, they're a little bit behind in their 
professionalization but it is a two two tier tournament it's england france and then the rest of them in fact you could say it's just a three tier tournament it's england france and then the rest of them and then scotland yeah yeah um the sort of any other business of this weekend and of the last sort of week of rugby news for italy um is the big news that came out today from the babies from the under 18s italy beat Ireland under 18s, which is fantastic. But now Mike's going to shit all over it. So, yeah, tell us more about this, Mike, because we just saw the score and we're like, that's great. We we beat Ireland at under 18 level. Um, but maybe, you know, give us a bit more context, bring us back to maybe reality. Um, it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's it's, a, it's an amazing result regardless, right? Um, Ireland have one of the best elite pathways in the world at the moment i think south africa and france probably up there with them as well um but the way the irish system works is the best teams are normally uh, sorry the best players are normally associated into the school team and then there's obviously uh, players which are associated to the clubs so the school team tech like generally has like the, the the players that will be playing in like tournaments such as like the Six Nations and like the Summer Series and all of that stuff, and it looks like um, a one one of uh, the followers to the page <coughs> explained uh, in a tweet that this was predominantly a uh, team made set made by clubs, right? So it was the club players as opposed to the school players, which you know we, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not saying there's a massive step down um but it would be because the quality is so good across the board um but in terms of like would it be their out and out first team that they're going to field it might be a mixture of both um but probably not um it's probably not a full you know strength side that they that they'll they put out against us so right so it's a good gauge of where we're at um i think you know, if we, we could take a lot of confidence out of that game because we beat them away, which was the most impressive thing, right? Yeah. Because a lot of these under 18s are often dictated by the home advantage because, you know, they're young and, you know, impressionable and don't have the experience of playing away from home that much. So um, that was a really good learning curve. But I think, you know, we need to take that with a slight pinch of salt. Yeah. yeah. I wonder as well, and it, um, you probably again know way more than any of us do about the under the sort of youth level of Italian rugby at sort of under 18 level are these under 18s the ones that were created in the original system that's now been dismantled and is that going to affect things moving forward I mean obviously it's a bit early and you know I, I don't assume that you have a sort of crystal ball to see ahead but I, I, whether... it's a good question it's, <laughs> I say it's a good question it, the answer is they are formed in the current system however um some of them have already been marked of national interest so they would already have been um invited to the centers of excellence to train so okay the way the current system works is we've obviously gotten rid of one of the centers of excellence which obviously Stephen and Bo uh, set up and that's what's really being focused on by the media. I think they cost yeah. 650,000 euros per center of excellence per year. Whereas what um, Marzio and the current um, uh, the current sort of leadership 
team in the federation what they're trying to do is improve the level of the top 10 by providing everyone with funding for an academy and then the cream will rise mm-hmm. at the top those at the top are then selected for the centers of excellence so it's yeah. not it's it everyone's saying oh it's a massive reform and stuff there's still three centers of excellence open okay um, so okay it's just one that's yes. been disbanded so, so basically, then, basically. The, I, I say centers of excellence what they are effectively are uh, public schools which focus on rugby they have daily yeah. training as in like they'll go weights they'll have nutritionists so so it's it's identifying talent and putting them in a professional environment whilst they're still conducting their studies that's what it is so it's, it's mm-hmm. their school so basically what they're saying is we've closed one of the schools and with the money that we were putting into that school distributed it out across Correct. the top and- 10 with the idea being that then hopefully there's the the idea being that then you're actually giving more opportunity right yeah well one of the issues that the italian federations had is a lot of the talent yes um the majority of the talent is consolidated in like set areas but it's not offering you know those outliers um some some opportunity so a good example of this is you know lakata um from see mm-hmm. he was touted to be um Italy captain very very early on he was he was a very bright prospect when he you know before all of these injuries I think he's had two ACL injuries he's had the worst luck right um but he's actually from Sicily so what 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 they're saying is there's there's pockets of like uh talent that could come from really random places your neculi comes from a small island um in between Italy and like um, Sardinia, like a tiny little island. So there's there is talent across the board. But what they want to do is provide both our academies, so they don't have to move away from their families. They don't have to like commit to this massive change where you know maybe there's some influence from the parents where they don't want them to go on to actually improve their skills. And then if they are good enough, they will actually get there in the end. I do think that was one of Abood's big points, though, is that actually taking them away from home was a benefit to creating them. Because I'm torn on it because... Yeah, but when you're Italian, I mean, I, I don't know. It's one of those tricky things, isn't it? Like boarding school is such a sort of normal thing I was at boarding school at seven. Look how well I fucking turned out. Yeah. I did right? turn I out mean, very well. Case in <laughs> point. Case in point. I rasped my case. Um, yeah, it's... I, I don't think the average Italian family is, like all up in in approval or in support of sending your child away I feel like at 14, I should apologize 15, for swearing there for my mum listening to, to this I did actually really <laughs> like and I was only a flexi boarder at seven I only boarded three nights a week and I absolutely <laughs> loved it and that's why I we did it because I had very supportive parents who wanted me to have fun but anyway my my, my problem with the 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 system that they had it felt like you know when you're young you get cut off quite early and yeah traveling is a big problem it's it's torn I, I was like I would be I would prefer to have more players having access or a fair crack at the whip and then I watch the elite team cock up a line out and I go no screw that put them all in the excellency at the age of 13 and let them like only the best you know what's really fascinating throughout all this right people consider Italian coaching to be bad whereas if you listen to Brunello speak Brunello doesn't take any ownership of the quality that we have in the scrums. He says a lot of times we look abroad for coaches, we look abroad for talent, but actually 
the players that come to me are actually already well like well drilled they know how to scrum they like they know the dark arts early doors so gallerini and stuff that had nothing to do with the centers of excellence that 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 was what hmm. he was taught from underage to age group right to, to so maybe it's not the worst idea having some more investment in the top 10 especially if we're having federal uh coaches come down and coach the coaches which is what's happening right to improve the level of the coaching oh. one thing we have right in italy is the the coaches who are currently coaching came from the italian of old you know the iron fist scrums like the line out and and we can see that underage level we can see we've been able to see that for five years you know we yeah. have very dominant scrums we have very dominant line outs our mall has been exceptional yeah. but then you know the soft skills outside of that aren't developed so actually what we need to do is start improving the level of competence completely from these old boys that clearly know how to do what they do well but you know improve their knowledge enough to actually define like a complete player a complete forward and and yeah. afford and afford that works with today's um style of rugby right you need to be good in the loose now you can't just have like those 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 close scrum skills that's one area of it so i'm a big advocate of the top 10 especially because a lot of the talent which is not being filtered through to the new academy system for benetton and zebra which was what i was going to go on to benetton zebra now have two under 23 academies so yeah. now they're going to be picking out what they consider the best talent and i with one eye to the future identifying the areas of weakness within their squad to then improve like the level of the squad that's sort of the idea behind it but what we, you're seeing is they're picking maybe four three i think it was four from zebra this uh this year they're not picking a massive amount of talent so all of that talent's being rebounded back into the top 10 and actually if we don't improve that quality of the top 10 i did think that was ludicrous to be honest when i when i saw that i, I almost couldn't believe it that out of the italian under 20 side that came third in the six nations two are going to benetton and four are going to zebre and the rest it's like right onto your business course sink or swim at that point do do something but in mm. in, in the other way right look at nicotera's path right nicotera right and um he he's he's done so well because he actually came back and he was like a really hard worker and Richon as well. He was, he was brilliant, right? He came, he, he wasn't with a, um, a franchise. He went back to the top 10. He crafted himself against these old boys that know how to scrum, became a better player, obviously yeah. went to Benson. Now at Saracens is arguably one of the better tight heads in, in, in the Northern Hemisphere at the moment. So for anyone listening that doesn't know what the top, the top 10 is the, top league of semi-professional rugby in Italy underneath their two franchises, which is Benetton and Zebre. So Benetton and Zebre both play in the BKT URC. And then underneath that, there's 10 other teams, nine now because of issues, who uh, who play in their, the elite league of Italian rugby. We could dedicate a whole episode to the sort of development of youth rugby in Italy um, because it is so interesting and I mean, I'm glad to hear because there's been so much media coverage about how awful it is that, yeah, the Abood centres have been shut. And I thought it was just like shutting the whole thing down and then moving it across. But the way that you've explained it, which has been really, really helpful, um, does kind of give me hope and, and makes a lot of sense. So hopefully, yeah. you know, that is um, that is something that we'll see, fingers crossed, um, meaning that we have more players to choose from um, with generally 
as good skills to then move over into the the centers just to balance that whole thing the one negative we have in italy is that shock is incredibly political um so we have the top 10 obviously they're privately owned clubs right there's no there's no there's not much federal um there's not much federal um funding from 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 the federation so they don't necessarily want to give up their top talent that they've nurtured right to zebra mm-hmm. to benetton um or at least they won't want to do it willingly um so in the in the uk and, and gents you probably can vouch right typically you you go in you start at your age grade whenever you start playing rugby and then actually if you're too good for that league a coach will get in contact with someone from another team and says listen you should probably speak to this this kid and you know like they're trying to progress like organically mm. through the like leagues to get you to the standard that you should be playing but what you're seeing in the top 10 there's some players there that absolutely shouldn't be playing in the top 10 they they absolutely should be playing mm. for the franchises like Muscardi for example has just gone back to the top 10 he, yeah. he was fantastic right um so it's it's all new that's 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 the concern and there probably yeah. will be a dip because it's new but i envision the long-term success of this would be a lot better um as long as we can sort out the politics but also because italy is a sleeping giant i think half a million people was the ratings that watched scotland italy and the six nations that's a huge percentage of the welsh population but for italy a country of 60 million it's very small but they have the numbers to actually really scare other nations. And then that's going to be the, the next step. I think you have a, a national side which progresses, a national side which starts winning. What happens then is that interest in the sport goes up. And when interest in the sport goes up, you've got to have the framework to really capitalise on that. And to really make the most of the fact that more numbers are now playing this game and how do you channel the talented ones to where they need to be? Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. When you didn't have big numbers, it made perfect sense to have four centres of excellence where you just take the best 50 kids of each age group in that area and just dump them there and train them with a massive bum on them like men and cello to turn into something great. But that <laughs> model doesn't work. It doesn't change at all when you in relation to having a growing playing population it's a paradox isn't it because yeah you you need you need players you need sort of young players with the motivation to pull on their shirt and parents with the motivation to keep cleaning those dirty yeah uh, kits and you know getting the kids in the car and cleaning their car and driving them places and you need to understand that there's like a, a a bigger scope to what you're doing you know because you know you, you might not have your kid might not have an ambition to play for you know italy but actually there might be a kid that they're playing against that it that does so actually you need the numbers and participation is so key it's not necessarily a, an indicative indicator of success right yeah but it is yeah. an indicative indicator of talent right because the more people playing the chances are you get that one percent that one percent player um the player that you will see those generational players you don't you know you need you need high level of participants to, to, yeah. to get 
even you know a cluster of those so yeah i mean one percent of a hundred is more than one percent of ten yeah. right like it's that simple um and at the minute italy for rugby is kind of one percent of ten and we want to get it to one percent of a hundred higher yeah. playing numbers also will relate to higher audience numbers oh and 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 come in, in, in turn in turn you know what does that mean more money more sponsorship opportunities yeah um which again what does that mean that means potentially better investment into coaching better investment into facilities so it's it's a self-reciprocating cycle right we're at a point now where it's it's the transition now this is the transition i've said it for um a couple of years to my friends but i said after i i said after franco smith i said wait until 2024 world cup because he blooded so many players he took he doesn't get enough credit to be honest because of the results but yeah. he, he he put you know he, he put his neck out just to try to see what sort of talent we had underneath and he did really well um with the sort of transition points within oh, you're right he did he 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 yeah. put a team out there that was really young he blooded them and you, you know if he didn't put garbisi on at such a young age well, we still be later, playing Canar. They they they, <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't have beaten Wales. They did it. That that team was able yeah. to beat Wales because they they were there the year before. I won't have a bad. The problem with Franco Smith is that he made fucking Luca Bg captain. But <laughs> um, I won't have. This is an anomaly. I won't have a bad word said about Carlo Canna. I once did call Carlo Canna a dick. Um, watching. Italy play England in Newcastle and um, Ugo Monia was sitting in front of me. He found it very funny that I was so angry with Carlo Canna, but that was the one time I swore at Carlo Canna. <laughs> I'm a big Carlo Canna. What other person can weigh 55 kilos and gets put inside centre and just goes, yep, crash ball all day? He, he was a battering ram against England. That was wonderful. <laughs> but he just did it. He just, he's one of the yeah. hardest working players, apart from the, I talk about the complacency. That's a, no, I sound like an idiot now. But yeah, I, I just, when they put him at 12, I hated him at 10. But as soon as they put him at 12, when he was just there with his drum cap on, taking it on <laughs> yeah. as if he's too laggy, I was like, this guy. He was great. making yards as well. He was, he, he's such an anomaly of a player. Like, he, he's the hardest worker, right? Like, he you wasn't can say what you want about his he skills wasn't. and his talent, but he worked, he busted a gut every time. Well, I would, I would say he busted a gut when they started putting him out of position. But I still say there were those four years or something where it just ping pong between Alan and Carlo Canna. And neither of them were really doing very well. However, yeah, I've got a I've got a soft spot for Carlo Canna. I haven't got a soft spot for Bellini. I definitely haven't got a soft spot for Luca Bigi. <laughs> but we should wrap this up. Um, I think really, you know, we're looking ahead to this weekend. All we have this weekend is the uh, the Cardiff, um, well, the Benetton Cardiff game, which you know, as usual, all roads lead to Dublin. I'm sure that they will win. The only other business that came out this week that I think we should really quickly touch on is the fact that the Barbarians are playing the World 15, which is something I've never heard of. And we've got three Italians picked for this World 15, Fischetti, Ferrari, and Big Cannone, Nicola Cannone. One of the Cannones. Um, there's there are different people are there different was, reporting different yeah, Cannones. Yeah, different media said different Cannones, but I think it's the big one. I think it is Nicola, because he shared it on his socials. And I was like, okay, they wouldn't he wouldn't share it if it wasn't about him. Well, right? Why wouldn't he share it as a proud older brother? Well, no, because it had his name and he shared it. Fine. Okay, that's conclusive. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's the baby. But I, I'm I'm not sure. I saw it in the publication as Lorenzo, but I haven't. Right, same. And then he started sharing it. Someone else wrote Nicola, yeah. one of the Canones, um, Fischetti and Ferrari. 
what is the world 15? It's basically the Barbarians, right? It's another name for essentially like pick 15 great players currently. And I think that's really cool. If we weren't at a wedding that day, I would go. Tickets are dirt cheap as well, I think. I'm gonna I know, right? Yeah. I got an Amex offer for like 50% off as well. And it's down the road. Um, I'm really annoyed that we can't go because uh, we're at a wedding round the corner as well. It's at Twickenham and we're at a wedding in Hampton Court. Trying to see if we can like weasel our way out of it, but who was the Italian not. winger who played for the Barbarians a few years ago? Benvenuti. Benvenuti. Yeah. 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 I think Parise would be a good captain for the Barbarians. Just as a just as a as a send off. A swan a song. Swan song. I think like it's a it's a it's a game that I think would lend itself very well to having Parise's name and energy attached to it. It's a very exciting game, and I wish we could go and watch it. Um, but yeah, yeah, that should be fun. And also, we should also just mention very quickly that Fiverr scored on his second game for the Hurricanes as well. <laughs> Coming on for only the last 15 minutes as well. He wasn't starting. He was on the bench. Um, Can't stop scoring. Yeah. Oh, there's one player actually um, you guys may or may not be aware of, but should definitely keep an eye on. Uh, Carlo Tizano? No. Okay, so top try scorer in the championship, plays for Ealing. Um, he was a Waratahs player. Um Ooh. He is unreal. Like, he is very, very good. Plays like a rugby league uh, loose forward, very dynamic, um, powerful into contact, has lovely hands as well. He, he's someone that I'm hoping the Federation have been in contact with. He's already expressed, he already expressed interest in playing for Italy and nice. he moved here after saying that he expressed uh, interest for playing for Italy. So, um, yeah. Keep, keep your eye out for him. But he's well. going to be trapped in Ealing. I can't see yeah. how he wouldn't get picked by a premiership side. To be honest. He's he's a flanker and he scores, I think he scored like 10 or 11 tries already so far this season. That's insane. Okay. He's, he's amazing. Carlo Tisano. Uh, Carlo, yeah, Carlo. Carl. Great. Carl. <laughs> Big Carl. <laughs> Big Carl. Amazing. Oh, thank you. We will keep our eyes out. Guys, this has been so great and I feel like there's so much that we still could have touched on and talked about more. So we should definitely do a follow up um, because it's been so, so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thank you for, for having Always me. welcome. What is your, should we do a shout out for, for your, your socials? Uh, yeah. So just, um, you guys aren't following, follow Italian Rugby Forum. Um, we've got obviously a Discord as well. We want to get as many people involved. Um, for fuck's sake, Mike. <laughs> Um, Eddie's really happy. Um, that is the word. Rich and I are signing up tonight. The, go the gospel is being spread. Right? So yeah, like that's that's sort of um, where we're at. But appreciate you guys having me on. It's been good Great. fun. Thanks. No, man. thank Great you fun. for joining Anytime us. You want to join us, let us. I do actually need to go to bed. <laughs> good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. Um, we will be back next week because we will be talking about Benetton's win against Cardiff, where all roads lead to Dublin. Ciao a tutti. Ciao. Ciao, buonanotte.